in brightest day, in blackest night. No evil shall escape my sight. Let those who worship evil's might beware my power. Green Lantern's life. Pretty cool, huh? Hi, everybody. I'm Chad Bokelman. I'm Mark Marble. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 199. Almost. Not quite. Uh, so close. Uh, pretty damn close. Yeah, pretty damn close. Well, we've done work for we've done work for episode two hundred, so it's close. Yeah, we we we've 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 put in the hours. Uh, um, we're not getting paid, but we're doing it anyways. Uh, so yeah, uh, 200's coming up, but right now we've got futures end as and as we record this, uh, just to give you guys some perspective, the final two issues of. Uh, futures, the Futures in Lantern tie-ins, so Red Lanterns and Sinestro, came out yesterday. So we are being as timely as possible here. Uh, so uh, I think what we're going to do is we're going to start off... Uh, Mark is going to take Green Lantern, then I'm going to take New Guardians, he's taking Core, then I'm taking Red Lanterns, haha, <laughs> sucker. And then... Uh, yeah, I know. Mark... How, how, how convenient! <laughs> I, I knew that was going to – I knew – I mean, you wanted it, so I was, certainly wasn't going to – and I usually do Red Lantern, so I certainly wasn't going to f- fight you for it. Uh-huh. So, but we, we kind of knew this one was going to be good, and then once I started flipping through it yesterday after I picked it up, I was like, Jesus, I mean, come on. Uh-huh. <laughs> Let's talk about a slam dunk. Which one's the best one of the five? <laughs> well, you get Sinestro, which is, which is I think – Sinestro I think isn't bad, but, red, but, red, but I, think, I, think red, I think Red Lanterns is – the creme de la creme of, of these five, certainly. For sure. And we've got five issues to cover here, people, so we're not even going to bother. And none of these even really tie into Future's End at all anyways. So uh, we're just going to say, screw it. We're not going to give us... A, and, and, and normally when there's like a tie-in or something to an event, we would try to give a brief summary of the event, what's been going on, if anything is any any way relevant. But with five issues, screw it. We're just going in. We're going to treat these as one-shots. Uh, as they are, they're labeled one shots, and then uh, move on from there. So starting with Green Lantern. Green Lantern, the future's end tie-in. So as all these all these issues will begin the same way five years from now. So we have a older looking Hal Jordan who's again, but that shaved side of his head, he kind of has that parallax look to him. Mm. That he's having a interesting conversation with Krona, but it's not just Krona people. It's Black Lantern Krona, who now has somehow become the proud possessor of Black Hand's Black Ring. So now he has raised his own Black Lantern Corps, and he is, as he's alluding to, you know, once I'm going to, after I've introduced you and your friend, who we don't know who it is yet, you know, to the consequence of mortality, then I'll make you both generals in my Black Lantern Corps. Hal makes a little comment, like, like I said, not good. And then, of course, we hear, why, Little Lightsmith? And, of course, we have the spl- opening splash page, and we see none other than Relic, who is no longer in the source wall. He has somehow freed himself. And, no, we don't get an explanation for that. That's part of the, that's part of the great mystery of this. So, how, how and, I'm, and for the sake of long, you know the length of probably this episode anyway, we're, we're, I think Chad and I are both going to try to cut a few corners when it comes to... Uh, the descriptions, but we have how pretty much con- convincing Relic 
that that he needs his help, and that's the reason he's kind of led the Black Lanterns here, because Relic hasn't moved anywhere since he broke free from the Source Wall. He pretty much has been experimenting to try to understand more or less what has happened ever since he freed himself. So Hal led the Black Lanterns, as far as Hal was concerned, into a trap, hoping that you know Relic would you know, see the danger of letting the Black Lanterns go, or the threat go unabated. And he kind of even makes a little comment about, uh, like, come on, come on, Relic, just admit you like having a wingman to share your favorite pastime with. So let's do it. Let's let's go kill some lanterns. Then we have a little flashback scene, which was slightly earlier, where Hal Jordan is is drinking and his father comes to visit him. But of course, this is not just an image of his father, not just the spirit of his father. It's a Black Lantern version of his father, which is. Kind of referenced to, uh, or the reference goes back to the Black Hand Villains Month one-shot when he raised Hal Jordan's father from the grave. Something, of course, we haven't seen anything come, you know, anything come to fruition from it yet. But, but there's a direct reference to that. They mention the fact that Black Hand kind of has dis- Black Hand somehow disappeared, and the Black Ring came into the uh, the possession of Krona. Some other some other deceased lanterns, pretty much have more or less tried to use Martin Jordan as a conduit to go reach out to Hal since they figured if anybody could stop Krona, it would be, it could be Hal. It's kind of interesting that they mention like Kahan is one of his old pals, which is kind of an interesting choice. We can talk about that later. Um, we see that Martin Jordan, when he appears to Hal, he does for the most part, he looks like Martin Jordan. He doesn't look like a zombie. And that's because he and some of the, the others, the lanterns that have that, Martin Jordan is essentially allied with. They have been fighting Krona, and they've been able to basically use their willpower to be able to maintain a semblance of a, of a normal appearance. But it's but Krona is still pulling at them, tugging them. So Hal pretty much uh, Hal pretty much says that he's gonna he ha- he kind of has an idea what you know, how to deal with Krona. Krona's a mad scientist, so if you basically if you're gonna deal with a mad scientist, you pretty much should fight a mad scientist with one, and that cuts us brings us back to his to the. The, if you will, the current uh, moment when Hal and Relic are fighting side by side. Hal pretty much gives Relic the play by the blueprint on how to defeat Black Lanterns, which is pretty much you can't just use one color. So whatever other whatever other color you want, Relic, shoot out at me so I can use it with the green. So they start using uh, he uses sapphire light. And Hal makes a comment, which of course alludes to Carol about you know sapphire and violet and green, you know together again. Hal starts taking out a, a lot of the Black Lanterns. Krona is able to pretty much make a temporarily anyway prevent Re- Relic's instruments from responding. Somewhere in Relic's containment field on his backpack, it would it appears that the lanterns that were helping Hal along with Hal's father were, were being contained or essentially protected. So so uh, Krona couldn't c- control them or use them. But Krona detects that they're there. He pulls them out of, of Relic's backpack and he begins to more or less zombieize them again to try to use against Hal Jordan. Hal pretty much realizes how desperate the situation is. He tells Relic, you know, send your deflectors to me, charge them with everything you have. Relic insists or tries to encourage Hal to you know, stick with the game plan, but he, Hal points out there's no time. Basically, Hal, at this point, Hal contain, creates basically a, a ginormous, 
ginormous green energy bubble to contain all the black lanterns. Relics reflectors go off using the light of the emotional spectrum. And all the black lanterns that were contained are, are dead, including the uh, black lantern, excuse me, excluding Krona, whose ring goes off in search of Black Hand, who we find has basically been captured and contained. We assume, I guess, at this point, by relic near the source wall. The few black lanterns that were that were not inside Hal's energy bubble now start to die because of uh, the lack of um, basically the destruction of the black the connection with Corona and the Black Hand Ring and everything else. Pretty much helps turn them all into dust. The only ones that do not disappear are the the Green Lanterns and and Martin Jordan. Hal is is mortally wounded. He's on the verge of dying. Martin convinces or does his best to convince Relic to try to save Hal. Relic, and in a moment of actually of some uh, humility for him, acknowledges that you know he, medicine is really not his thing. He's really not an expert at that, but but he has an idea. So the idea, since he was trapped in the source wall, he knows that you, pretty much you're not dead in the source wall. You know that his idea is to put Hal in the source wall, and he will continue to experiment. And maybe he will do, you know, he basically will do his best to try to figure out a way to save Hal. So Martin Jordan carries Hal off. He puts him into the source wall. And we see Hal become part of the source wall. And that pretty much is the end of the the Green Lantern one shot. I enjoyed the art. Yes, the art was the art was good. And Martin Cocolo again did a good job drawing Hal. Mm -hmm. Um. And actually, he did a good job drawing almost everyone. I thought he did a good job with the relic. Black Lantern. Martin Jordan. I don't know about Mar- Martin Jordan. Kind of looked a little odd to me, mm-hmm. but he did a good job with Krona. Black Lanterns yeah. look awesome. Yeah, as always, the Black Lanterns always look pretty good. Uh, we're not going to delve into it. Uh, normally we would, but uh, I think it'd be cool uh, for people who have read the issue. Why don't you write in and tell us who, what Black Lanterns you see here? I mean, Evil Star is fairly obvious, and so is Goldface. Because uh, that's, old, that's old school Evil Star, though. Yeah, that is. So if you guys recognize any of these lanterns, uh, just shoot us an email and let us know where they appear and, uh, and next to whom uh, as far as location, because usually when you see the Black Lanterns, they're in a crowd. So uh, tell us who they are, and uh, th- that'd be some cool feedback to get. Um <laughs> I just I don't know why I never said it during Lights Out, but Relic's head looks like Tokabi <laughs> from Pokemon. Um, um, and another thing, like just to to point out how much I like the art, if someone can make a PNG file for me uh, of Hal Jordan here on this page uh, opposite the Cubert School ad, where he calls his ring to him. And he's surrounded by this green energy. Someone make a PNG file for me of that of that uh, Hal Jordan right there, and email it to lanterncast at gmail.com. A high res version, but a PNG file of of you know all cropped around him in this green energy. And right where Hal Jordan is saying "Dad," I don't know if you're, it's possible to replace that word bubble with whatever the green energy should look like right there. But if you can, that'd be cool because I'd like to use that for something in the near future. <clears throat> so that'd be awesome. So lanterncast at gmail.com if you can get a high-res uh, image of, of Hal here with a PNG crop all around him. <clears throat> but yeah, I really like the art in here. 
And what did you think of the story? Uh, the story was okay. I do like the the personal. It's like they're listening to us. That the, there's a lot of interaction with Hal and his dad on Earth. <laughs> uh, they, that's true. So that's the, so that's cool. Um, and uh, and I wonder I wonder if the interaction with Hal and his dad on Earth is because they because we talked about this before there's no way that if we were to you know mark the calendars in five years from now this is not going to happen or even close to this is not going to happen they're not going to go well it's the five year mark we got to make sure we all hit these character beats right here um so i think i think it's cool that the creators were basically given all right five years from now do whatever the hell they want i think i wonder if venditti and them want how on earth and doing a b c and d but are restrained from doing it for you know editorial reasons or whatever because it kind of feels like you know if 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 you could do anything you want well why is Hal on Earth you know what I mean maybe they want him on Earth so but yeah I, I thought I thought it was okay Relic was less of a douche uh, and uh, I, I like the fact that they kept the whole you know uh, lantern Black Lanterns being killed by a mix of light. They didn't come up with some other BS thing, so that's cool. One of the things, one of the things I really liked about this was the fact that it wasn't ever more than some of the other issues. And as we go along and go through these, we'll, I mean, I'm sure we'll talk about this more. Well, this issue clearly does reference some of the things that they've done in the new creative team's run. It's not exclusively that. I mean, the whole Krona, you know. Krona pretty much has nothing to do with the new creative team. They haven't done anything with him. The Black Lanterns, they really have. I mean, other than Black Hand, they really haven't done anything with. So, to me, for lack of a better way of describing it, because this is how I feel, certainly when we get to another one of these issues that I'm doing, that the storyline doesn't seem, to to me, it doesn't seem as self-serving. Like, promoting their, you know, their own ideas, and this is what we think, how how important the ideas of the stories that we're doing now that they're going to impact the Green Lantern universe like in, in five years. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That this one, this one I think flows better. I mean, yes, Relic is is theirs, but it's a clever idea that Relic pulls himself out of the wall. We don't know how. He doesn't necessarily know how, but he wants to figure out how, and that's why he hasn't basically moved from that spot since he came free. Is <clears throat> excuse me? It's a clever idea with Krona. That in a way that when you think about everything they've done with Krona so far and how we left him, um, it would make sense that in a way that if we do see Krona again, it, w- it would not be outrageous that we would see him as a Black Lantern. <laughs> and especially if if there was a, if something happened to Black Hand, it would almost make sense that he would be based on his his scheming and his plots and everything else that he would be a good person to take over the, as leader of the Black Lantern Corps. So I I, I did. I did like that. I thought, I thought that was, I thought that was relatively, relatively clever, and you know I like, you know again, they do make they definitely make they definitely make relic out to be more likable in this, in this uh, issue. Though I the whole thing of calling him Little Lightsmith gets old real quick. Mm-hmm. It's like okay, throw it in once. It kind of made sense, especially before you turn the page because you don't entirely. You don't entirely know who's who's going to be there, even though with that reference point, you kind of have an idea. But you don't need him to repeat it like three or four times, or at least I think he says it at least three times in, in the book. It's like, come on, okay, we get it. These, we get it. The lanterns are smaller in our universe than yours. We get it. 
but I liked I liked it, and the art the art was good, and I thought it was it was it was ent- it was entertaining. But it also does follow a, follow a trend that there's only one book that kind of breaks that trend, which is that the endings of all these of four of the five of these futures end issues are not not positive for the main character. Yeah. Well, the only other thing I wanted to say about this issue, uh, if anybody finds a detriment at the end of the lantern-related Black Lantern still being able to hang around, there is a precedence for that set in the DC Universe. Not necessarily with Blackest Night, but uh, two two different instances, actually both involving Necron. Um, When Necron first appeared in the Green Lantern Corps, Tales of the Green Lantern Corps annual, I believe, or was it just Tales of the Green Lantern Corps? One of the two. Uh, either either way, in the Tales of the Green Lantern Corps series, uh, when Necron first first showed up, when Hal crossed into the uh, World of the Dead and first encountered Necron, one of the pe- one of the ways he was able to defeat Necron and close that gap uh, in the fabric of reality to keep Necron from getting out was that these souls of the Green Lanterns were able to help him, the ones that had already died. So they they were I think they were kind of you know glowing green and they rose up to help help Hal defeat Necron. Um, so as far as uh, as far as Green Lanterns in the afterlife having more power than your standard soul in the afterlife, that that precedent was set. Another time this was set again involving Necron was uh, in one of the Green Lantern annuals during Kyle Rayner's run. I can't remember the annual number, but it was when they were doing all the Ghosts annuals. I remember. That one. Yeah, so and what had happened was a lot of lanterns had come back, uh, zo- all zombified, and Necron was trying to cross over into our world again, uh, and he raised, you know, uh, I believe Oa was re, uh, uh, yeah, it was Oa, yeah, Oa was remade, uh, and he was fighting a couple of lanterns, zombified lanterns. Well, one of the main lanterns he was fighting was Kilowog, and after Necron's connection was, you know, severed and his you know, little window into the fabric of reality into our universe was closing. Once all that was done and everything was dissolving, Kilowog came back to his senses and was himself for a little bit before he, you know, deteriorated again. So these, these, if anybody has an issue with this group of lanterns, uh, dead lanterns supposedly sticking around, it's not entirely implausible based on, you know, uh, past, uh, you know, dead Green Lantern storylines. So that's something I noticed that a parallel I drew with those two stories that I thought I'd, I'd mention here. I never, I didn't really have an issue with it, uh, but it did remind me of those two stories. That was definitely a good catch there, and I'm, and I'm sure people will appreciate that. You point, you know, since there is, in case there was any, uh, in case there was any, uh, people thought it was a major discrepancy or. Yeah, I don't. I don't think there was anything in Blackest Night. Uh, maybe, maybe the only thing is we never really got a true resolution on the uh, uh, brightest day Black Lanterns, like where they came from and what you know what was happening there. They made it seem like the Anti Monitor was controlling them, but I don't think we ever got a true resolution with those things. Um, let's see. So, do you have anything else to say about Green Lantern? I do not think so i just i'm just flipping through real quick just to see if there's anything that no i think i think i do think we hit all the all the major beats on this one all right so 
Green Lantern, New Guardians, Futures in tie-in, a numero one one-shot. Uh, again, five years later. This whole thing is being narrated by Kyle, because it's all in the White Lantern uh, uh, bubbles. Basically, what is happening here is he has learned... Uh, I've learned by trial and error that my arrival must be sudden. No time for panic or fear or resistance. Just a flash of white and then the change. This is a world now at peace, a world without want or war, a better world. What is What happens is Kyle basically either... Uh, I'm looking... Yeah, that is him. He shows up on a world, basically explodes his light in the atmosphere, uh, it sweeps across the planet, and basically fixes the planet in one one quick go. Uh, everybody's got the kind of arch of uh, the white lantern symbol on their head, kind of like a crown, and you can tell that it's affecting them. Uh, this one, uh, one individual... Actually, it looks like a couple of individuals... Uh, aren't affected by the uh, by the white light, uh, and that's when everybody you know kind of gangs up and takes these people to uh, physically show them the truth. That there's like chairs or something that looks like they kind of reintegrates them. Well, these this one uh, group is trying to uh, reintegrate this uh, individual woman. Uh, her name is Say Sorin, uh, and you know they're they're trying to turn it on and. And get her going uh, and, and uh, on their side, uh, and uh, he says, "As my power grew, I saw as say Soren now sees. I saw the universe with terrors beyond comprehension. I saw teeming masses starving and fighting for survival in a universe of plenty, and I saw that half measures would help no one. I saw that I had the power to change them, and I did. So Kyle has become a, a god." Uh, as I told you, he was gonna with this white power, and not only that, he has used his power, been using his power for these past, I'm assuming all five years, to effect change on all these other planets by force. Like he doesn't ask, or he doesn't, you know, go get down and in, in the nitty gritty and learn the planet, or figure out what needs help and help one by one. He just shows up, and like happens in the first page, explodes his light. And changes the planet based on his whim. Um, Say Soren is seeing all of this as well. This is part of the, uh, you know, getting them to understand process. And she says no several times. And uh, no means no. Yeah. And she uh, grabs one of the the people by the throat and says, uh, and, and just uh, let's go and leaves. She, they, she gets confronted by them again. They try to grab her again. She gets away, hides. Um, finds a ship and stows away on it, uh, and you know she 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 gets uh, one of the the crew members who's I guess taking inventory. Uh, she puts a knife to his throat, says, "I don't want you to scream. I want you to help me." Uh, and uh, so she she you know is on the ship and she's heading out into space, uh, and uh, you know a, a you know a bubble says says her name and she's like, "Why don't you just kill me?" I'm not going to be what you want me to be. He says, it's time. Kill you. I do not wish to kill you or harm you at all. My name is Yekop. Please come in. So Yekop is all... He's still Scion-y, right? That's what that is? It's a, it's a similar setup to being a Scion, that's for sure. Yeah, he's definitely integrated into this system. She, he definitely knew she was there. Uh, he is one with the ship uh, and says... Uh, 
you know, I'm looking after the well-being of, of all on board. You're not a threat to either uh, myself or the well-being of the people on board. Uh, she, he, she says she has the uh, mixture, uh, en- enough of things to make to make a bomb. Uh, and he says, I, I you know, I, I believe I, I believe you would detonate this. Uh, he says, you want you want me to give you control of the ship, or you will detonate the improvised explosive? Yes, she says, I will. I says, he says, I believe you. Uh, I do not believe that device is capable of killing me, but the connection with the rest of me, yes, perhaps. That is an unacceptable risk. So what is it you desire? Uh, so she goes, she is brought to Kyle's shard. <laughs> uh, for those of you missing the Green Lantern animated series. Um, uh, basically, it's a, it's a, Good looking shard. It's a it's a piece of I don't know a planet or an asteroid or something. It's a city floating in space, um, and she is she is brought she's brought to this uh, floating fortress of Kyle's and, and it is brought inside, and uh, suddenly we see Gotham. <laughs> this the stupid Gotham two page ad is driving me insane. Uh, she comes up onto a uh, kind of an art gallery. It looks like there's murals of the lanterns there, uh, and then there's a statue of a skeleton holding a shield and a spear. Um, and the bubbles is the 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 narrator saying, "I have sacrificed everything I had. I have sacrificed everything I had for what I believed was right. My friends, my humanity, and even my love, Carol." And that that particular bubble's shown up as the uh, as uh, Sesorin is stroking the skull of the skeleton. So I'm assuming this is Carol. Uh, it is. It's supposed to be, and it says uh, this is this is uh, Sesorn says this isn't love not anymore, and Kyle says you may be right. That's when she grabs the spear, and this is the uh, oh what were their names the God Killers? Yes, this is the the weapon the weapons of the God Killers. Um, she says no, you don't get to say you love someone and then kill them, and that's when Kyle shows up uh, and says I did I did I I did this because I love you all. And she says, well, you know, you did it because you're insane. He says, well, that might be true, and that's the problem. Uh, and at this point, it's kind of necessary to read a little bit, you know, in between here. They fight each other. She throws energy at him, which he obviously easily def- deflects. He says, I feel righteous and vindicated. And he says, uh, I made this to remember Carol and the Guardian. He says, Carol and the Guardians thought that the life equation was too much, that my mind was cracking under the power of it. I could not change them, and they would not stop. Sesorin uh, says, you can change people, you can change worlds, you can change the universe, but you couldn't change me. You couldn't make me what you wanted. I'm not alone, and I'm not stopping. He said, billions, there are billions like you, uh, people of every kind imaginable, blessed with the will or the compassion or the rage to allow them to resist, but when I show them the truth, all see. And he you know, fires back at her, and is, you know, it looks like he's... Uh, negating her spear for a second she strikes him she says you know you don't get to decide he says someone has to and she says you're wrong uh he she says uh, everyone has to no no one person can make everyone happy you can force us to to be what you believe is best but i'll fight we will fight and she says without weapons without hope he says she says all i have is hope he said yeah me too and that's when he, you're revealed he says, this is why I brought you here, why I tested you, because I can't see outside myself. I can't judge what I've done. I'm at the end of my days. I'm becoming one with the source. And I give this gift to you. To undo what I have done, you can judge my work. 
you can judge my work. You can judge me. I will not force you. Cannot. Only you can decide. Only you. And he disappears in a blaze of 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 light. And all only the ring is left. And Sesorin puts it on her finger. And that is that. Dun dun dun. Yeah. I think it's kind of I th- I think it's kind of reminiscent of the power of ion stuff the first this for the first time he was ion only there is no giving the the energy back and then he's had the power for a lot longer yeah I yeah. and the the uh, and the again going back to that storyline the the hint that uh the hint that it's not so much that it's a it's a not that it's a slam dunk that he's going to do bad things with it, but it's a question of whether anybody should have any one person should have that much power yeah. and what it could and then what it might possibly do to you. Yeah, that and that's that's something that was explored more in depth because there were several issues of it in that Power of Ion story. But the same kind of themes in there, uh, like you just said, uh, whether one person should have all the power. Kyle was kind of, uh, you know, in his omnipotence. Uh, was losing focus of whether was so fo- so focused on believing what he was doing was right and you know even though it was he didn't stop to think if he should uh, that's the same kind of thing that's happening here but in that story he gave the power back to restart the central power battery and bring back the guardians well there is no giving back this power that he has so I think it's I think it's uh, this you know it's uh, you know <laughs> two issues in and I'm already drawing parallels with older stories but but. Uh, I think I, I I enjoy this issue for that reason. Uh, it's not one of my favorite features in titles. I thought we would see more Kyle. I thought there'd be uh, more more here that uh, would be awesome uh, with Kyle as a White Lantern. But given its ties with something I really enjoy, I I, I, I like it. I like it better than some people on the online have. I think I like the fact that. As opposed to almost all the other futures and tie-ins, instead of and the, considering the pattern we've seen throughout the run of the new creative team teams, this issue does not necessarily. Not only does it not run away from the the ending that Jeff Johns showed us, it kind of almost like embraces it and just take it takes it to the next final step. You kind of see Kyle looking like he did in that issue. You kind of see Kyle almost at that maybe beyond. Slightly beyond the point where we saw him in that epilogue where everything seemed more, you know, all hunky-dory. And now it's kind of like maybe, you know, Kyle, Kyle taking it to the next step, which isn't so clear-cut about the ends justifying the means. But it does certainly more directly, fall, you know, connecting the dots, you could definitely see getting to this point from even from where John's left it. So I kind of like the fact that instead of like throwing dirt on that, that there is kind of a reference point to that. I like I I like the fact that in his like in his little chamber you, that you before Carol's body is with the with the spear and everything you see like you mentioned you see pretty much the the guardians and it sure looks like it's Ganthet behind Carol. Mm-hmm. That's what it looks like based on the robe, based on the fact that it's a red robe. That I like that I I've, I'm being consistent so I hated the part about how Carol was supposedly his love. I hated that part. Yeah. I did. I, I did like that she uh, at, at some point I, I either lost her star sapphire ring or um, Kyle took it from her or something. In, in, but the God Killer, you know, she took up arms right. to fight him. That essentially, no matter no matter no matter how she got there, the whole the whole point 
the whole point was at some point her sapphire ring wasn't really either was gone or was ineffective anymore so she had to try something else along with the new guardians that were trying to trying to stop Kyle and there kind of is a book and like you mentioned there in a way there is a bookend with again with the ion storyline because technically Kyle he really he has two choices he could not give up he could he could just become one with the source and just take essentially take the power with him but so he does kind of give the power back just not in the same way that he gave it back with uh, the central reigniting the central power battery he basically chooses to pass on the white ring to someone else as opposed to just more or less taking a taking the power with him and so mm-hmm. that was that was kind of a nice touch one but one you know one the art the art was the art was pretty good for the most part i i really like the cover though if you look at the actual not not the like venom looking how ha- uh, venom looking kyle the actual Kyle, you know the traditional white, if you will, traditional White Lantern Kyle on the cover. Oh, I, I didn't get the 3D covers. Oh, you didn't get the 3D cover. Well, that's like the best Kyle has looked as a thing as a White Lantern since he became one. It's a really nice picture. Yeah, but I, I wasn't gonna buy into that bullshit. Yeah, well, unfortunately, the, the those are the ones I have. So, but yeah, he kind of looks. He more looks more like White Lantern Venom and on, on the negative part of the you know, the hologram the holograph but so it was it was pretty good it was i i like you said a lot of people are were down on we're down on this issue i had heard a lot of things about the issue uh before i before i read it because that's the one that came out last week right uh i think so yeah because i didn't get it till i didn't get it till um wednesday when i picked up the ones that came out this week so i was behind on that one it was okay uh, it. I agree. It was not one of the better ones, you know. Which is kind of, which is a fine line now, because there's, the, there's only five, so we're not, so there's not going to be many that we're, that are going to be some of the good ones at this rate. <laughs> but yeah, it was okay. All right. Uh, Green Lantern Core. Green Lantern Core. So five years from now, we have a couple of couple of Green Lanterns flying flying in a spaceship. I don't think it's a sector house. I think it's just a ship. Uh. We get the we get a great reference to the Shadow Empire, which of course we have yet to see in Green Lantern, but we know it's coming. <laughs> and it's even better to know that five years from now, the Shadow Empire is still around and giving the Green Lantern Corps trouble. Why not just make it Durlins and make it easier? <laughs> <laughs> that like I said, like I think we that would have been a great inside joke just to make it Durlins, just because people would have gone, "Oh, you got to be kidding me!" <laughs> they hinted Uprising Two, the skirmish. So these two great. The, these two Green Lanterns are talking about you know, the Shadow Empire and how difficult it's been, and you know how many rings, how many ring bearers, they call ring slingers that we've lost, and all of a sudden, you know, they uh, <clears throat> they they send something coming at them, and pretty much, you know, the the orders are pretty are crystal clear. Anything comes within sight of home, you know, we take it down, and we find out that the the light that's coming at them is none other than John Stewart. John Stewart pretty much dis- they try to attack John Stewart he pretty much you know d- dismantles their ship most people everybody's pre- pretty much petrified of, of John Stewart at this point and they're begging John Stewart please don't kill us and he goes well I'm not going to kill you because you know the, the core needs you because you know, someone has to be cannon fodder we find out that you know they, after John leaves leaves these two to fly down to Mogo 
we find out that you know the, those these two lanterns continue to talk amongst themselves and they go he's racked up more kills than anyone in the core you know he took out another lantern with his bare hands and he got off without even being convicted and he even destroyed mogo all with a single bullet everywhere he goes he leaves a trail of, of bodies john's approaches Kilowog and Salak, who are pretty surprised to see him. They didn't really think they were going to see him again. John, you know, John says, you know, some of these, some of these new recruits, it's like, you know, what makes me wonder why we even you know, bothered rebuilding the foundry. Now we've, now we find out a, a little twist in this, which is that apparently Oa has been recreated because the core is planning to recapture or reclaim Oa for, for the core, even though it may, they don't really need it, it's more of a symbolic move. John kind of, you know, John's kind of pointing out they really don't need it. Nobody really, you know, we, we, doesn't really matter, you know, about the only the Guardians cared about essentially being the center of the universe, and those graves are long cold. Uh, Kilowog reveals that uh, basically they sent two members undercover to try to help pave the way or soften the landing, for lack of a better way of describing it for the Green Lantern Corps to take back Oa, and that's Von Daggle and his partner, Raimi. John's a little surprised that Van Daggle's alive, but he's more, I mean, not so much, let me take that back. He's not surprised Van Daggle is alive, really. He's more surprised that an old friend of theirs had intercepted Van Daggle, and that, and we will find out who that is. The quiet one, as they refer to him as at this point. John, John pretty much makes the point of, you know, I he just... His new basic philosophy, which is, you know, I warned you that weakness would lead to this. You don't lock away a criminal, you kill him. And, you know, John just says, you know, you know what? At the end of the day, pretty much one shot to the brain, it's it's humane. And Salak, they're pretty desperate at this point. They go, you know, we can abide to your terms. You know, we can definitely, that works for us. John says he needs a new spotter because he basically lost his partner. We see Jeruk, Jeruk and Feska, who are having lunch at the mess hall. That's when John shows up and pretty much uh, Jeruk thinks that basically maybe he's looking for him to go as a spotter, but but he, John makes makes it clear he doesn't really need brute force this time, and he wants Feska to be a spotter. Now we cut to Oa, Space Sector Zero, which has now been basically under the control of, of the Shadow Empire. We see Raimi and Van Daggle that are about to be sacrificed. John and Feska are in space pretty... John is pretty much using his, not even a sniper gun, it's more like a machine gun. He's taking aim on, you know, from, from space, aiming onto Oa. Then he pretty much takes out almost all of the, the beasts or the creatures that were surrounding Van Daggle and Raimi. Van Daggle and, Ra- Van Daggle and Raimi pretty much uh, are, are freed at this point from, uh, excuse me, they get, they get freed by Feska and, and John. This is, when, this is when John arrives. And John makes it. And John makes it clear to Feska that you know basically her role, her role in this is is over. That she, he only came. That pretty much he wants her to take Van Daggle and Raimi out of there. That John's going to handle this on his own. This is this is when we find out that the we've the quiet one is Marrow, who we had seen before. One of the, one of the new recruits, Marrow, who could who his people basically they were known for their oratory skills, and of course he couldn't speak. And somehow the uh, the concept of him not being able to speak, and the fact that the Shadow Empire pretty much offered him the ability to speak, that helped lead him to essentially turn on the on the Green Lantern Corps. So Maro's trying to climb away. John's pretty much focusing in on aiming on his gun at him. He's about to finish him off, and it's at that moment when his his 
essentially his assassination attempt of Mara was interrupted by the arrival of Indigo One with a with a resounding knock. John pretty much says that you know it's not surprising that you hear you know the Indigo Tribe. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm not really surprised. You know, you, I shouldn't be considering what you are that you'd be involved with the Shadow Empire. Not after what you did to the rest of us. Indigo One makes it clear she has no. She pretty much has a, no allegiance in this war. She has no dog in the fight. She just came here to induct a new tr- member into the tribe. Mara pretty much is saying, no, don't take me, don't you know, don't make me a mindless like a one of your mindless herd. John inter, you know, John just confronts her and says, Induct, you just track down sociopaths and brainwash them. You're just a pack of criminals. She tries to to a certain extent reason with John because mentioning that, you know, you used to be you know, you wore a ring at one point. So you know you know a little you know, you know a little bit about compassion. And she, she point brings something out which is kind of interesting, which is the, she says to John, you know, don't you think the green ring influences you? Don't you think you – know, it's kind of like are you – in a way, are you naive to think that just because you know, it's that – it's a different color, don't you think that it kind of influences you or controls you the same way? I mean the ring picks you, so you really don't have a choice in the matter, do you? John gets pretty indignant about at that point. You know, you, you know nothing about this ring. She points out you are mistaken. She goes, I have found someone who has, a fa- who has fallen too far, a heart that is darkened, but the ember yet glows. So she, she kind of surrounds him with uh, green energy constructs. At this point, Marrow tries to you know, head for the hills. Indigo One confronts him. It's like, how could you abandon your fellow lanterns? Have you no compassion? And Ma- this is when you get Marrow's little, it gets his pseudo explanation for why he turned traitor. Compassion, that is why I left the core. The Empire took me in. They allowed me to speak. They wanted to hear me. No one else ever did. Pretty much, we find out Mara was setting her up for the, for the kill because more of the creatures that were, were about to kill Van Daggle, the ones that weren't killed by John, now have surrounded Indigo One. John is free at this point. He takes his gun. And he goes, "I'll give you this, Mara. You don't give up easy." Kind of a recurring theme in almost all of these issues. They mention hope a whole lot. She points out, "You have no hope, Lantern, and I find myself in need of a replacement sacrifice." Mara sends his the, the beast scepter, John. Indigo One makes a comment about, you know, so much pain, so much regret you carry. She touches John. Big surprise. She takes him to the to the remains of Zanshi. Then she takes him to Zezin, where, of course, his relationship with uh, Fatality went completely south. Or he learned, you know, that the, the person he thought was Fatality wasn't before finding out, you know, meeting with the real Fatality again and knowing pretty much that he was, that love was gone or was never really there to begin with. At the, they continue their back and forth, but then John points out that you know my mission is to kill, and he charges, and he ends up stabbing Indigo One in the gut, mortally wounding her. You know John starts saying, "And I, I didn't want to." He get they get transformed. I mean, Indigo One and John end up back on Nock, Natromo, and the rest, including Monk. Monk is still around, and the Indigo Tribe is there, and we find out at this point that Indigo One showed up. On Oa, not for Maro, but for John. That she was looking for John all along. That was the new recruit that she wanted. And the reason why she wanted a new recruit was because her time was at an end. And essentially, the the Indigo tribe, based on how desperate in the universe was, how there was a lack of compassion overall in the universe, they needed a new leader, a, a different type of leader, a more of a warrior. And at that point, as she's dying, John feels compassion. The ring flies off Indigo One's finger, goes on to John. As soon as that happens, John's green ring disappears. He is now in complete Indigo tribe garb. 
and we get a little knock, and that is the end. Still awake there, Chad, I hope. I heard a yawn. Nah. <laughs> Doing my nails. Uh, this, 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 I mean, I'll, we'll get to it when we do one of the feedback things with John, and I'll, I'll touch back to it. But just the, the way they oh, people will approach John Stewart bothers me. Um, uh, <laughs> that that pretty much sums it up right there. It's like, <clears throat> yeah, uh, I I didn't like. Of all the five of these, this is the one I disliked the most. Yeah, I, not not a big fan. Plus, Nat uh, um, Romo's here. These are the Tromos everywhere. As we find yeah, out, yeah, this, this is supposed to be five years from now. But he's in two different places in two totally different situations at once. Which this is true, though. I guess I, I suppose we don't know when we get to the other issue that he's. Oh, jeez. That that when we get to the other issue that he's in, we don't necessarily know. Like, no, it says in there that he's been without a name for a long time. Uh, yeah, that's true. It does. That's true. It does say that. Yeah, so little- yeah, because I was I was gonna try to give some kind of out that maybe you know maybe that one happened sometime after this one. This is the, this is the bullshit I'm talking about. DC, talk to each other. Jesus Christ, <laughs> just talk. I mean, how hard is it? Hey, I'm gonna be using Natromo over here. No, actually, I had a plan to use him over here. Well, what are we gonna do? Eh, fuck it. I'm sure the, I'm sure the readers won't care. Really. We won't notice at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You you can't po- you can't possibly notice it. It's like, and it, as I as well, I might as well just say it now. And, and what's with the creative decision to have Natromo two, Saint Walker zero, as an appearances in these friggin' five issues? <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> but you know, I I this is my I'm not a fan of 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 bitter angry John Stewart. Mm-mm. I don't need to see that. Yeah, they didn't deal with Zanshi much, but we don't need to see Zanshi again. I mean, we they referenced the Mogo thing too. At least, I mean, we, I guess they couldn't really take him to Mogo truly, unless you're going back in the past because Mogo, <laughs> Mogo has been rebuilt. So I hated that. I don't like the whole Morrow thing. Is kind of stupid as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. And and even and even worse, the, this and to me, this was the most self-serving of the five. I think. Because yes, they reference some things that happened previously, you know, like like the Zanshi stuff. But so much of this is all that happened in the creative team, and some, and again, the whole idea. Because we really, because we, even though we know these stories are all basically bullshit Elseworld stuff where ne- that are never going to come to fruition, or they're just, or they're creating this on purpose just so at some point they're going to hint or tease us that some of these things might happen just to completely take it in the opposite direction. But the idea that we really want to see a storyline. About this shadow empire, which we know nothing about, that we know is going to last five friggin' years in comic book time. <laughs> really, we want to see a five-year war between the shadow empire and the Green Lantern Corps. <laughs> no, I liked it. I liked Indigo One showing up. I liked, you know, we got a whole lot of Indigos considering in the, in these storylines. A reference to again, like we mentioned, the Tromo. That's. I kind of like that. The only thing I really liked about this issue was it is more a philosophic point than what was in the story. The idea that Indigo One, who was a very obviously we know she's been a very good leader for the Indigo tribe, 
But there comes a point when some leaders are perfect for one situation, but then a new situation develops and you need a different kind of leader. And that the Indigo tribe was now at, in the universe, essentially, was at that point now where they really needed a stronger, more of a warrior, more of a militant kind of leader. Someone who felt compassion, too, but someone who was new, you know, basically was a different type of leader to take based on the situation they found themselves in. So that so they that and John ended up being that leader. So I kind of like the like the general concept of you know different leaders for different times. But other than that, I didn't like this issue at all. And this was I mean the, the art the art was pretty good in most spots for me, but other than that, I can't really say much good about this one. They already put it down. <laughs> Chad already burned it. Yeah, I'm done. Uh, so, and that's not being lazy. I just, even though I've not adopted this practice before, I, I'm adopting it for this particular issue and just for this one night only. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything nice. So don't say anything at all. Uh, so I've already put it down. So, so with respect to that point, Chad's going to now give us five minutes of silence. <laughs> yeah. Red, red lanterns. Yeah. Yeah. You- yeah, you bastard. <laughs> awesome. So we open up five years later after the Atrophidian. <laughs> uh, Sector 405, the planet Gar. We see a uh, snake red lantern, um, uh, blood coming from his mouth, saying three down, three million to go over and over and over again. Um it's at this point uh, we see Bleez, and she says, yeah, we get it. Don't waste your time trying to fight us. It's hopeless. Uh, and she blocks, you know, with her little bone wings, uh, his spewing venom. Uh, and that's when we see, well, I don't know if I'd go that far, Bleez. And we see Blue Lantern Guy Gardner. Um, he grabs the snake. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Won't be the only time in this issue the snake gets grabbed. <laughs> he grabs he grabs the snake uh, and you know kind of calms him down and, and says, yeah, "Yeah, I got him. He's not too far gone." Uh, and you know the ring comes off of him and goes actually the red the red ring comes off of the snake goes to Blaze uh, and Blaze puts it on her bone wings and kind of. I don't know, loses it, I guess. I'm guessing every time you add a red ring to yourself, you still get the uh, intense, surge. yeah, the, yeah. the surge of the, atten- the, the intensity. And this happens every time. She's taking on more and more rings. Well, it turns out that their goal is to rid the universe of, of red lanterns. Um, and they're working in tandem to do that. And, you know, the only way to, to heal someone of the red lantern energy is a blue lantern. So that's what's happening here. Uh, guy, guy is, uh, working with Bleez. Bleez is taking on all the rings uh, and that's, that's what they're doing. Well, they head back to Ysmalt with this, uh, snake in tow, um, because he is in despair for, because he's, he says, you know, I didn't mean it. I was just, I was so angry. Are you going to kill me? I deserve that. I do. I can still taste them. And, uh, says, we're not going to kill you. All of us here were like you, um, until Guy and Blee save us, you know, there's there's life if you want it, but if it gets to be too much, you can go into the lake. Some people pick that way, and that's the the blood lake. Yusmalt uh, is actually flourishing. It looks like uh, there's plant life, there's a city, there's plant life all around, even the central power battery. Um, it's it's a whole thing. 
Um, there's mountains and stars, and you know, it's it's it it, it actually looks pretty pleasant on your small uh, right right here. Um, so Guy and uh, Blaze are kind of camping out, and he says, uh, you know, they they have a little aside here, which I'm gonna read because I think it's funny. Uh, guy talks and says, "You think the snake guy will be all right?" Blee says, "I don't know. They usually eat the. They don't usually eat the targets of their revenge." He says, "Yeah, tough pill to swallow." She says, "Hard to get that down." He says, "Probably left a bad taste in his mouth." <laughs> Blee says, "Good one." <laughs> <laughs> so they, 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 you know, they're they're talking to each other, and he says, "You know, they're uh, he they're talking about someone. Uh, they they don't say who yet, but they say him a lot." Uh, do you think he'll end up down there? No, he's too far gone. He wasn't always. Guys, you know, kind of stoking the fire. She says, do you want to? And he says, huh? Literally stoking the fire. Yes, yes. <laughs> Guy says, didn't we try a few times? Can't remember it ever working out so well. She says, I know, but there's every chance we'll both die tomorrow. He says, good point. She says, you you know we'll both be thinking of other people. And he, you know, there's ellipses. Uh, and he says, I can live with that. And uh, clearly, this is Guy and Blaze going to do the nasty. Um, yeah, because she says, "Do you want to?" Yeah. Um, Space Sector Six Six Six, the Palace of Red King Jack. Um, if this is a re- supposed to be a representation of some sort of UK landmark, I don't know what it is. Um, so I won't uh, even pretend to uh, know what I'm talking about there. So, uh, if anybody out there is, uh, Andy, Andy, I know you're out there. Tell me what this is. Um, there's a British flag over it, so I'm assuming it's somewhere in the UK, unless it's just meant to look like something completely. Never mind. Anyways, so, uh, these, uh, aliens approach this, uh, king and says, you know, it's, they took everything from us. We beg you, grant us your boon. He says, "Well, what, what would that be?" Well, it's, it said that you know you we come and we're supposed to come to you and you you would give us justice. He says, "I think you came to the wrong place." And we reveal this Rancor uh, sitting on a throne and he's wearing chainmail, like a chainmail uh, short sleeve T-shirt uh, made of red lantern rings, uh, and he's got a construct crown and a construct scepter. Which I always thought scepters were cool. Just as a little aside, I want to. The splash, the splash page is just great. I mean, yeah. you just look at the art; it's like, oh, it's just really, really good. Yeah. And that chain, and that chainmail thing made of, of the red lantern rings is pretty damn awesome. Yeah. Uh, he says, "Doesn't mean you blokes are out of luck, though. Uh, the ones who wronged you will be destroyed along with everything they have ever built. I will scorch, scorch the earth where they walked. I will burn their homes, and their lives will be brought to ruin. It will be as if they never were." Good speech. Yeah, I say it every time. He says, no, that's not what we want. We want justice. He says, well, that's too damn bad. Um, and he sing, sends out this red construct pterodactyl uh, thing. He says, I'm you know, more about revenge. Pterodactyl dragon thing. Um, then we see a, a blue shard of glass or something. Uh, no, it's a... Yeah, it is. It's a shard of glass, but it turns into a sword. Sword. Yeah. Stabs the dragon... Um, Blee says he sent out a construct independently it's not tied to his ring how powerful is he and Guy says it's too powerful but that's the whole point you're, you're, you're powerful too Blee's we've been collecting red rings for years for this fight there aren't any more to get he's got the rest this is as strong as we'll ever get and 
earlier in the issue, I didn't mention it, but Blaze had asked him how, as a Blue Lantern, he's able to be offensive, create constructs and everything. Well, he tells finally tells her, and he you know reaches under his collar and he pulls out this string, and he's got a yellow ring, a uh, star sapphire ring, a, uh, an indigo ring, a green ring, a red ring, all on his necklace. So he has, he says, I've tried them all, please. Will, fear, compassion, anger, even love. That was a weird couple of months. (laughs) (laughs) Thong Guy Gardner returns. But the one that made it work, uh, made it all work, the one that ran through all the others was Hope. Um, So this is when the Red King Jack, a.k.a. Rancor, shows up to start screaming about them killing his dragon. Um, they, uh, he creates a red construct firing squad and they, uh, they fight, uh, him and, uh, Blee start going up against one another. Uh, this allows uh, guy some time to slip, slip behind Rancor. He's like, don't try and talk me out of it. I got nothing against you. Uh, you got revenge and things went back into balance for a while until she mucked everything up. She has to die for what she did. Um, he says, I've got one thing to tell you about 20 words, and then whatever happens, happens. And then, I don't have a digital version, so I don't know if you can actually see what he says here uh, w- without zooming in, but I can't read it in my physical copy. Uh, I, don't think you're, I don't think you're really supposed to. Besides, there's only a couple of words you can see, and we find out that he, more or less it's like, it's essentially like 20 words. Yeah. Uh, uh, she Blee's freaks out. What are you doing? Just kill him. Uh, did you see this stunned look on... Uh, uh, Rancor's face, and then Guy, with a wave of his hand, takes every Red Lantern ring off of uh, uh, of Rancor, including the one he's wearing. Uh, de- deteriorates the the thing. Blees gets all of the rings on her. She, this is a incredible rush for her. She says, "Get out of the way! No more Reds! You promised me, but don't you want to know how I got the rings off Rancor?" He says, "No, I want him dead." Uh, he says, just let me tell you, he says, when you first when you first put on the blue ring, you get a vision of your future. It's what gives you the hope you need to get through all the ugly stuff the universe throws at you. When I had that vision, there were no more reds. You and Rancor were both there, and you were happy. I don't know how, but you'll find a way. No one has to die. No one. And Blee's face, face softens. She's overcome with blue light. Guy takes every single red lantern ring in existence, evidently, and evaporates them all. Like, we're not talking, you know, dispatches them to somewhere and hides them, where they all literally disintegrate. He says, no more reds, and then Bleez is herself again, including not no bone wings, we're talking actual feathered w- wings and everything, hugging Rancor, says, is that truly the end, guy? Is it over forever? He says, I don't know, Bleez, but we can hope. And there's a cool shot of Guy. Uh, as a Blue Lantern. And if anybody can make a PNG file <laughs> of guys of a, a Blue Lantern right here on this page, that'd be cool. Uh, um, but no, seriously, um, good, 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 good issue. Uh, you think, okay, so he has the necklace. The Red Lantern ring he has on his necklace, do you think he still has that? Yes. Okay, that's what I thought too. Because there's not... Even when you were talking, I was I was double checking the image to see if there was anything with that blue swirling energy that would kind of give you the impression that maybe the one on his necklace was coming off. But I see no. So, technically, but 
technically he would be he they would be correct that there are no more reds because nobody's wearing or channeling a red ring. Mm-hmm. So technically they are he is correct yeah. in what he and their goal has been achieved. But yes, but there clearly still is at least one red lantern ring that one guy has around his neck. Right now, before we get too far lost in it, uh, if anybody complains about Blee's suddenly going from the bone wings to her feathered wings, don't forget red lanterns are not red lanterns. Blue lanterns also physically can heal you, so don't forget that. Because people probably because she, I think she had bone wings. Before, because she was tortured, right? Yeah, so she had her her rings were bones before she got the 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 ring. So don't forget, blue lanterns can also physically heal you. So just wanted to throw that out there. But this is this is fantastic. Excuse me. Yes, this was definitely the best. This was clearly the best of the of the five. It was. <clears throat> And it was, I mean, all of these stories pretty much, you know, that you kind of they begin in the in Meteor Reyes that they're in, it's not only just five years down the road, but it's in the middle of a story. It's not like the beginning. But this one, but this one, you kind of know. There are some questions that come up about you know how this happened, how we got to this point. But for the most part, this issue, those questions really aren't as. They aren't as prevalent as they are in some of the other lights out issues. How we got to this point? New futures in. Oh yes, I apologize. Yes, futures in. Sorry. That it's pretty. That it's pretty straightforward. You know where they are, what their goal is, how they got to this point, and the resolution is really good. Kind of the explanation for how guy is a blue. I mean, I, I like that. Uh, he was a pretty good blue too. Hmm. I was disappointed St. Walker wasn't in this issue. You would think this would be the natural one for him to be in, if he was going to be in any of them. Uh, I liked the art. I liked – I mean the Rancor thing you could kind of see coming a mile away though. As far as I – when I was first reading it and they were just talking about him, you know, kind of – I assumed he and Bleas were going to essentially be the last two Reds left. So I – I liked it though. It was, it clearly was, it clearly to me was the best of the five, and it just makes the fact that Sewell's leaving even worse. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I mean, I, I really have nothing else to say about it. Um, it, but in a good way. Like I just, I just thoroughly enjoyed it. Yep. This one was a, this one was a, a winner, and I think we kind of knew it was going to be a winner, even from the solicits that. And, it, and this one, def, this one definitely did not disappoint. I think this is clearly a very, very enjoyable issue, even as a one shot, even as a storyline that, and of all the storylines that have never that, that in these futures end that we know we're never going to pretty much see, this is probably one that we wouldn't, maybe the only one of the five that we wouldn't mind seeing come to pass. Yeah. At some point. Yeah. Uh, it was it was really enjoyable though. Oh yes. For sure. So Sinestro. Sinestro. Five years later, there's a surprise. In uh, Tartaros, the Ultra Max Penitentiary, you find the the worst sentients in the universe are imprisoned there. There are no names, no or individuality, and there we see Sinestro. And we also notice pretty early on that Sinestro is missing his ring finger. That the ring finger on his left hand has pretty much been cut off in the middle. 
Sinestro, as a narrator, points out that once I might, you know, I, I might have dreamed of being the warden to such a place like this, by maybe, or in such a place like this, or, or I might. That was me adding. Obviously, it's it's written to a place like this. I'm just looking at it. So, but Sinestro says those days have passed. Only the scars remain, and that's when you see him kind of like cradling his his damaged ring hand. They have 36-hour work days. Every fourth cycle, he gets to work in the factory, which is what he likes because he he has a he has a master plan, if you will. And who do we see working in the factory with him or approaching him? It's a much old. Well, actually, Natromo looks old no matter any time we see him. But seeing him in seeing him in civvies just doesn't look right. <laughs> and it's interesting that the uh, the tattoos are permanent on are permanent on him. So maybe because he's not you know he's not bound to a ring or anything. So maybe that's the difference between just a tribe's member who loses their ring. That he basically comes up with a few. He takes a few pieces to give to Natromo, and he goes, "I believe I'm almost finished here." The Tromo makes some comment about, uh, you know, this will do nicely. You know, I, I don't hold me to it. I'm not sure, but we may have enough. Sinestro comments, enough indeed. Sinestro, with his narration, also, you know, refers to Natromo. He goes, this inmate like myself was once a lantern, and like every other prisoner, he once had a name, a name that was taken from him. Natromo, the keeper of the indigo light. So much for his compassion now. A bunch of new arrivals show up at, at the prison. And we find out that the... More or less that the, the Apex League, a roving band of universal marshals, that basically they were the ones who apprehended Sinestro. They, the, they basically they were tasked with using extreme force to apprehend fugitives. And they were the ones who captured Sinestro and burned his finger, the ring from his finger. And Sinestro comments, you know, fear is the counter engine that would save the universe. That is the prophecy I was given and the truth I held dear. But in saving the universe, in turning back the tide of the paling, I branded myself a wanted man, a martyred man. And we find out that this group, that this group, the Apex League, basically came looking for Sinestro based on however and whatever he did to defeat the uh, paling. So they arrived on New Corridor to engage the Sinestro Corps. Uh, the Sinestro Corps members were pretty much were, were dying left were dying left and right. We find out that at this point, Sora, at some point, Sornik crossed over to become a Sinestro Corps member, and she appeals to Sinestro. Is like, you know what has to be done? The Parallax Pit. Open it. He goes, I I cannot. I bound Parallax to New Corridor's core. You remember why this was done, don't you? If I free the entity. So they and she goes, Well, we could find a new planet. So they clearly imply that somehow Sinestro been when he bound Parallax to the center of this planet, that if Parallax was ever removed, essentially the planet would die. Sinestro comments that, you know, I'll lead the assailants away because pretty much they're just looking for me anyway. All they want all they want is me. He enlists a Drac basically go off to uh, they they fly off from New Corridor. Lissa is kind of surprised that you know that Sinestro wants her to carry to follow him and she asks him like why do you want me to go with you instead of your own daughter and he goes we each have a role to play Lissa you and I walk 
have different paths to walk. Yours leads into blackness, and mine brought me here. Now we switch. That was a flashback, essentially. Now we switch back to the prison, and now Lissa Drac appears to Sinestro. They have their conversation. He goes, you know, Lissa says, you know, what you asked of me, what you sent me away, it was difficult. But also implying that she was able to achieve it. I have done what you asked. I have found the weapon you desire. For me, the story has ended. But it's up to you to finish the tale. We find out that um, the Tromo, basically what he and Sinestro have been working on was a way to uh, some a device to essentially be able to tap into fear once more. Basically use not truly a powering, but on some basic level to at least temporarily channel yellow energy again. And Sinestro uses it, and bas- basically there's a mini uprising or rebellion. Sorry to, for using that term, uprising. <laughs> he should be shot. <laughs> a, a mini rebellion of, of the prisoners. Uh, Sinestro, Sinestro, Natromo, a few other of the convicts take take one of the spaceships from the penitentiary, and they take off. Sinestro even has to keep some of the other prisoners at bay who want to go with him, but there's not barely any room. Natromo is essentially piloting the ship, and she, he asks Sinestro, "You know, are you, are you sure this is where you want to go? Because that's empty space." And Sinestro points out, "I'm certain nothing is so empty as it appears." Sinestro leaves the ship, even though Natromo kind of points out that that the quote-unquote ring device wasn't really designed for life support. There we see a very zombified-looking Lissa Drac. You know, he goes, "Lissa." She responds, "No, not anymore. This is but a shadow of the creature you knew, fulfilling a final obligation to you." At that point, pretty much, she, the essence of Lissa Drac fades away, and we, and we basically get her skeleton at this point and her skull, which Sinestro keeps. Sinestro kind of makes an interesting comment about how many times have I courted rebirth. How often have I raised my core from ruin and ash? The answer is simple. As often as I deem necessary. When Sinestro gets back into the the ship, all his the fake ring's energies are gone, and he's helpless. In many ways now, he's the weakest of the pack. But by the time they land at their destination, which is New Corrigor, they're all gone. Everybody else is dead but Sinestro. Sinestro is the last one left, and he's still almost like a a last poor Yurik moment because he's still holding uh, Lissa Drac's skull. Sinestro comments, this this planet was once called Necropolis, and I claimed it as New Corrigor. Now it would seem the original name is more appropriate. The Parallax Pit, cold and empty, and the Corrigorian, the Yellow Lanterns, my daughter, dead. The Apex League shows back up again, preparing to, confl- uh, excuse me, to confront Sinestro. You know, that they try to blame everything that happened, you know, the death of everyone on New Corrigor and his own army. They try to blame that on Sinestro because, you know, you know how that monster that you trapped at the planet's core broke free. It was so angry and hungry and that's in it's, you know, it stripped your soldiers of their power and you're to blame for this. And Sinestro points out accurately that basically you're the one who was really to blame for this because you weakened. In your zeal to capture me, you weakened us. You weakened our hold on the entity, and without me, they were unable to control it. But Sinestro actually takes responsibility and says, despite that, it is still my fault. He smashes Lissa Drac's skull, 
and we find in the middle of Lissa Drax's skull a black lantern ring. A black lantern ring comes to Sinestro. Yellow energy, green, black, all can be bent to my desire. All can be used to spread fear. But only one can build my army once more. Only one will help me reclaim my name. Only one shall be known from this day forward as the new color, excuse me, as the color of the new Sinestro Corps. And we see Black Lantern Sinestro leading basically his Black Lantern Sinestro Corps, including Sora, including Arkillo, and Lissa, and pretty much almost everybody else who ever was a Yellow Lantern now is a Black Lantern, and Sinestro was leading them into battle. And that ends the Sinestro one-shot. So which came first, Krona having the Black Lantern ring or Sinestro? Well, the interesting thing here, well, let's see, at least with this one, they, they leave it open. They leave it open for one could come before the other, like you said. The question is how. But, of course, assuming that's assuming that Lissa has Black Hand's ring as opposed to just a Black Lantern ring, which would make sense to assume that since it seemingly is Black, is Black Hand's ring, which is capable of, you know, of creating a core or resurrecting a core. I don't know. It's it is kind of an interesting choice for two different books of these five to, to bring back the Black Lanterns. Yeah. Um. Uh, so yeah, Black Lanterns, Black Hands Ring, um, Natromo. <laughs> I mean, come on. Um, but uh, otherwise, good story. You know what I really like, uh, and I didn't realize it till now, is that last page with Sinestro and his core coming at you. That's reminiscent of, 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 of a few different covers we've had like yep. Yep. Um, that were all turned into posters. Uh, you know, Sinestro for Sinestro Corps when that was happening, Green Lantern with Hal in the center. I think Atrocitus. Uh, Atrocitus with his red lanterns. There were, there was that there was that one for Green Lantern Corps a long time ago that had Guy, John, Kyle, and Kilowog coming towards you with the other the rest of the core. Yeah, they did a lot. They did a lot of covers like that. Most of which were during the Sinestro Core War, mm-hmm. and then the I think, and then they did the the variation on the theme when they did a, uh, Red Lanterns number one because I have the T-shirt of that too. Uh, the Atrocitus doing the same thing, leading the Red Lanterns in the same pose. Yeah, I'd like to have a high res image of this uh, without the uh, without the narration boxes. That would be cool. Um, and if anybody wants to PNG <laughs> Sinestro Black Lantern, that'd be cool too. Uh, the more base, uh, uh, I'm trying to do some cool stuff with uh, album art for our uh, individual episodes, and the more lantern-related PNG, cool PNG files I have, the better. So I think from now on, as we read issues, I might ask randomly ask the audience if anybody has the ability to PNG files to get a digital version of this. Uh, of the image and you know high res uh, large image and PNG crop the whole the whole file. Uh, this Sinestro right here would be, would be an awesome PNG file. Um, so there's that. But other, I mean awesome I mean awesome awesome issue. Um, I don't know. I know it sounds stupid because he's a villain, kind of. Uh, I don't know if I buy Sinestro failing. You know what I mean? You know, being imprisoned like that. I, I, it's almost like it's, the way Sinestro has been going as far as popularity and, you know, you know, going from yellow to green and, you know, back to yellow and, you know, now in this issue, a black lantern. It's, it's almost like he's more anti-hero. He's kind of he's kind of like Venom. You know what I mean? Right. You know, it's it's kind of it's kind of hard to 
put him all the way in one category or another. And I, I don't want to say he's too big to fail, but I can't think of anything else. I kind of yeah. I, I think I think it was a little. If there was a hard, you know, a hard sell on this issue to believe. It probably it probably was the idea that even though I, I know that this we're supposed to believe, you know, the 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 apexers over here are supposed to be real badasses, but it's still kind of difficult to think that they could take him down and the Sinestro Corps down. Yeah, and, you know, enough that they could be pre- present enough of it. Enough of an obstacle where the entire Sinestro Corps, including Ranks, they mentioned the point that Ranks is there. <laughs> yeah. That they could take down all these guys and screw them up enough where basically, par- you know, Parallax comes out of the, is pulled out of the core of this planet. And to me, that was one of the more interesting things in the book, too, the idea of what, of, they make it clear what would happen if Parallax left. They necessarily make it clear why he put Parallax there. Yeah. To me. So I think that's kind of intriguing. Sora, Sora being a yellow, which of course one could just say that at some point she, that she becomes some enough loyal enough to her father where she would openly, you know, embrace the yellow more than the green. So that could be the simple explanation there. Poor Arkillo once again, <laughs> get, getting getting screwed over while fighting loyally for Sinestro. <laughs> <laughs> I can't get your break. The Rodney Dangerfield of the Sinestro Corps. <laughs> no, I liked it. I it was good. I it probably was my second favorite. Mine too. Red it goes it goes it goes uh, Red uh, Red Lantern Sinestro uh, New Guardians Green Lantern and then uh, I think New Guardians and Green Lantern can be kind of interchangeable depending on my mood. Uh, and then core definite last. I would pro- I would probably rank them the same. I actually might put I might put Green Lantern ahead of New Guardians. There was enough actually surprise and it surprised me that there was actually enough in this issue of Green Lantern that I liked to say that maybe that was better than New Guardians, especially since New- both both were bummers. But at least, if you will, Hal at least went out like a hero. And Kyle was borderline. Kyle was Kyle, Kyle kind of went out as a suit as borderline a hero, but it's more like Kyle went out like Parallax in Final Night. <laughs> like he's going out doing the right thing, but actually you can make a case Parallax in Final Night was a little more heroic because because at that point he really wasn't doing anything wrong. He just was purely giving, stepping into the fray, knowing he was going to die literally since he could tell the see the future. While Kyle was just up to the very point that he. He may have been searching for a while to find the one person that he could pass the ring on to, but in the meantime, it didn't stop him from kind of doing questionable things. Yeah. But they were, as a whole, it was it was entertaining. Um, especially since we know we can enjoy them as simple one shots because none of this stuff's ever going to come come to fruition. Yeah. They may them like I said, they may take bits and pieces of it, some aspects of it, like. Like you, you look at the Krona thing as a Black Lantern. I would be actually surprised now if somebody doesn't do that. Even if Vendetti doesn't do it, even if he's not on the book, which I would almost bet the farm he's not going to be on the book for five years. But if he was, I mean, if they could decide, somebody I think will do, will do the. Uh, they may very well do the, or have a almost like have two factions of Black Lanterns almost, because Krona might be capable of figuring out a way to get Black Lanterns on his own without needing Black Hand's ring. But Black Hand's ring will make it even better for him. So he kind of like goes after Black Hand's ring to, so it's almost like a dueling Black Lantern faction. 
But it would be, in, but I think there'll be some elements of this that we'll see. God, I hope the Shadow Empire being, a, you know, being still a factor in five years certainly better not be one of them. Yeah. Um, did you have anything else to say about Sinestro? I mean, we, I mean, I don't, as far as nitpicking it or you know finding one thing or another to you know go through or, or dissect, I don't have anything. I just, I just overall enjoyed it. But did you have anything specific you wanted to say about it before we moved into some feedback? I don't. I'm just trying to think if there was anything that we missed. I think no. I think I think we did. I think we did justice to to Sinestro. It was the concept itself was was interesting. It's just again, I agree that the idea of Sinestro being beaten, maybe so imprisoned so easily. Yeah, it doesn't really make much sense. Um, we only have one bit of feedback as far as uh, of uh, of um, Future's End. Basically, uh, I. I I posted on, on on Twitter. I said, you know, what did you think of of uh, of, of of these issues? Uh, and Jesse says, I really didn't like any of the Futures End books. GL and Sinestro, okay. Uh, GLC and Red Lanterns, meh. And for the first time since New Creative Teams, New Guardians was the worst in my opinion. Best part of any of them was the return of Black Lanterns and GL and Sinestro. In Red Lanterns, uh, Blue Guy was completely out of character. Not a good month for Lantern books. I don't know if I necessarily agree with all of that. Obviously, based on our our, our, our view, reviews, but it's 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 interesting to hear the other the other viewpoint. I think based on the original solicits, you would think it, it would it was pretty easy to go in and to think thinking anyway that Blue Lantern guy would be a complete mismatch. That wouldn't make a lot of sense, but I think it does work based on the context of you know of the book and the way it played out. I think it does work. Right. Yeah, it, uh, I really liked it. Blue was uh, Blue Lantern guy was able to kind of keep his his personality, if you will. So that was that was pretty cool. A lot of fun. And he was and he was a pretty, yeah, he was a pretty pretty damn effective Blue Lantern. So right, uh, we got a few emails to go through. Uh, did you want to take uh, the first one there? Brian's. Uh, actually, hold on one second. I think there's uh, Andy. I don't. I, I, I don't think we've uh, normally after we've we've read them. I move them into another folder. Oh yeah, we we do have to kind of discuss that because sometimes I don't. I which what folder are they in? Um, let me see. Let me just go go back to primary here. Especially since there weren't the other ones in the inbox weren't moved, so I would never really check. Right. So down here between uh, Andy and me, uh, September fifth. Um. If you if you oh 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 okay yeah now if, if you want to read his original email and I will just read read my response. Okay, the, so, plea, the plea for feedback one. Yes. Okie doke. Like, hi guys, I'm responding again to the plea for feedback. I think that the show is doing great. I like that the episodes are dropping weekly. I love your commentary on the comics, principally because you underline my own thoughts and opinions. I like that you are caught up. In fact. So much so that when I listened to the episode when you covered Sinestro 4 and 5, it made me sad because my LCS has let me down and I don't have those issues yet. Something that occurred to me and that you might like to discuss is that Jon Stewart can't catch a break. He is responsible partly for the death of two planets, which we were reminded of once again, I have to point out. I must point out as my own commentary to his email. He was hunted for the longest time by one crazed star sapphire. His first wife was killed by another crazed star sapphire. He spent part of the 1990s in a wheelchair for what turned out to be a psychosomatic illness. He just needed to pull himself together. 
he was just sentenced to die, sentenced to death for killing a fellow Green Lantern, and now his girlfriend was a Durlin. The, the worst of it all. How much more can the writers throw at him? Keep up the good work, you guys. I think we know the answer to that. <laughs> yeah, and I responded. I told, I said earlier in this episode when we covered Green Lantern Corps, my thoughts on John Stewart. I'd get to later. That, that this is what I meant. My response to Andy here. I said, uh, you know, as always, thanks for your feedback. We truly appreciate it, and I mean that sincerely. But as far as John Stewart, you raise an interesting point. While we'll surely discuss it next time we record, I'm wondering if the issue with John is that his character outside of the Green Lantern Green Arrow series and the Justice League and Justice League Unlimited animated series has never been fully developed and explored. Usually such mind-bogglingly horrific life events are a way to push the character through tough times and bring him out stronger in the end so that you can so that you can empathize with the character and the writer now starting from a place of endearment can build the character up for you. Maybe nothing really ever stuck so we just got stuck in an endless loop of trials for John with no real development on the other side of his personal low point. Just an idea. And I, you know, that's that's still something, you know, I mean, even though I only wrote this a few days ago, um, I still agree with that. I mean, I just kind of, I kind of feel like nobody since John was created and since the, the animated series has any idea of what or who John Stewart is. So they keep pushing him through these things to as as a way for you to go through hell with him and identify with him and come out the other side but then the next creator has no idea who John Stewart is and does the same thing and we just get stuck in this endless cycle of extreme uh, life events to put John Stewart through this so that we can better understand him but we never fully understand him that's a good point I think um, John John Stewart's not my favorite Green Lantern, and maybe that's part of the reason why is that they never. He to me, he doesn't seem that developed. It does seem like they tend to go to the well fairly often with him. Let's let's give him some crappy life situation. Let's let's have him kill this. Let's have him kill that. Let's have him. Uh, let's take something else away from him. And so I guess if you look at it from that point of view, the since. Up to this point, he's kind of like the little engine that could. That every time somebody something screws him over, he just keeps going forward. That I guess it was. You can make a case. It's an interesting take on almost like a an Emerald Twilight ish take on John that we got in Future's End, where you you kind of you, you kind of just kept pushing him to the point, and the whole fatality thing at the end of the day was the one that kind of put enough of a enough of a crack, enough of fissure in the foundation that eventually that led him to where he was i don't know i think i i don't think they use john stewart well and i kind of think that to me that might be part of the problem i have with core too that one of the again one of the reasons why that book doesn't have as much of an appeal to me as the other three at this at this point right um we also got an email from dow do you want me to read that one there's there's he doesn't really ask us any questions uh it's just more commentary Okay, you do that one, and I'll do Brian's. Okay, uh, episode 182, uh, Red Lanterns 25 through 27. Uh, he says, Red Lanterns 25, I'd almost say that this issue was a really good jumping-on point for the series. I'm chalking up Rancor's disguising powers as part of the fact that the Reds are more than just Owen emotional spectrum technology and are also packing blood magic, which we've kind of mentioned uh, before now. Um, so, But thanks, good that you're picking up on that, too. 
Uh, Red Lanterns 26 says, uh, he says, uh, the stuff they said while high and so begins or returns the Blee's Rancor shipping. <laughs> Speaking of high and the fact that Rage Kitty basically told Atrocitus what we're, what we're all thinking during Milligan's run, this reminds me of a Robbins William bit. California catatonic. This is the kind of weed where your cat will go, get up, you asshole. I've been sitting in my own crap for days. I know, I know mellow, but this is ridiculous. <laughs> Uh, Red Lanterns 27, was it just me or is was Rancor just super British in this issue? Guy looks a lot like the Marvel character Corsair. He's Cyclops' dad and leader of the Star Jammers, for those who don't know. Corsair actually does get compared to a 70s porn star a lot, so your guys' comments probably fit. Uh, I, I don't know what my, my co- our comments were there. Uh, oh, maybe because of the mustache, maybe. Yeah. Uh, I, was surpri- <laughs> I was surprised Zox and Skalix did turn into... Turn, run into Shadow Thief while in Israel since she's tied to Israeli special forces now. Although maybe they got her attention over Israel and she shadowed them, no pun intended, to assess their threat level. While I'm on the subject, I'm a history major, so I feel like I, I have to point out that Guy actually should have sent them to the Red Sea. It, Reed Sea. Reed Sea. It's a mistranslation that led to everyone thinking the Israelites crossed the Red Sea on their way out of Egypt, even in Official as officials they can be anyway, translations of the Old Testament, but it was actually the Reed Sea they crossed, not the Red Sea. Did not know that. Did not know that either. All right, so, uh, and then we got one today from Brian. Brian. <laughs> from, from Brian. From Brian. <laughs> good, good timing, Brian. Got it right under the wire. Um, hi, Chad Mark. I really enjoyed listening to your review of Emerald Twilight on episode 197. Having just got back into reading comics in 1994, I read Zero Hour before reading Emerald Twilight or Green Lantern number 55, the Zero Hour tie-in where Alan Scott gives Kyle a summary of Hal's then-recent actions, which was a great issue, by the way. (laughs) So I was shocked when I saw Hal as Parallax for the first time. I did not get to read Emerald Twilight for a number of years. My local shops all raised the prices of issues 48 to 50 into the $20-plus range, making this a story that was out of my price range. The comic stores in Toronto acted as if the speculator market was still in full swing for several years after the speculators went away, so I did not get to read Emerald Twilight until shortly before Hal came back in Rebirth. I like Emerald Twilight, even though I felt very bad about seeing one of my favorite DC characters taking such a fall. For a time, I was soured on the story, although this was because I had read about the original Gerard Jones plan, and being a Gerard Jones fan, I felt that it was really disrespectful for what could have been an interesting story to get scuttled so quickly. Looking at the story now, however, I do like it, and I really appreciated the fact that the story did not drag on for a year. In my opinion, making Hal the ultimate big bad in Zero Hour was brilliant. Hal was the one character who did not appear in a single issue of the original Crisis, and seeing him as a villain in the quasi-official follow-up to Crisis was something that most readers probably never dreamed of. The Parallax retcon also works for Zero Hour. Sure, Hal wanted, himself wanted to fix things by creating new worlds, but this would be great for par- the Parallax entity as well. With a new multiverse, Parallax would have untold billions of life forms to inflict in terror upon. Thanks as always for your excellent coverage of all things Lantern-related, guys. Looking forward to listening to your GL movie commentary. Cheers, Brian. Awesome. That was a really awesome email. It was. The one thing that I can't... And it's not because they couldn't have made it work, but 
I don't necessarily think that it fits really is the whole parallax the retcon of parallax and tying it into zero hour the goals for zero hour and we also we saw how they tried to retcon that in directly when they when Dan Jurgens did that Brewster Gold issue that had them flying and basically they came across parallax and extant during the midst of zero hour mm-hmm. and having Hal having Hal basically say that you know but Alan Scott that he that he he wanted Alan Scott to, not just to see like how he did everything better than him but he wanted him to to feel fear or whatever and it's like I I don't really see yes they could have made it they they could have made it work but Hal back the Emerald Twilight through Zero Hour Hal even until Final Night Hal all he wanted to do was recreate make everything right he wanted to recreate the universe first it was Coast just Coast City. Then when he fought Guy during Emerald Fallout, that kind of gave him, as he mentioned in Zero Hour, that made Hal realize that he was thinking too small. That that was only one problem. It was a major problem, a major wrong that needed to be righted, but there were so many more. That Hal just wanted to create basically a perfect universe, where Hal was going to essentially be the guardian of that universe to make things run smooth. I don't think that naturally flows with, oh, now we... Oh, we have a great, we have this new universe, this all these different worlds, and then now I can make them, you know, be terrified of me. Uh, now, yes. Now, inside, if Parallax was letting Hal do what he wanted, and he was just kind of like, you know, kind of like, you're rubbing his hands, like, yeah, I'm just waiting for the moment. You could, ret- you could make it work, but based on the way Hal was acting during that time, no, it doesn't, nat- it does not naturally fit. Well, that I. It does in a way, not necessarily to what Brian was saying as far as, you know, make, you know to inflict fear and everything. But remember that line from Rebirth where basically Parallax was trying to keep Hal Jordan happy. Yes, that is that is true. But that, again, that, that is that is part of the that is part of the retcon. Yeah, yeah that, that was part of the retcon. And yes, you could try to make a case that, that that would work. And yes, that was I think that was John's John's attempt initially to say because that's why, you know, Coast City was recreated, you know, and the, the, the hangar was recreated and all these different things. I think they were recreated in the early parts of Rebirth that Hal was getting blamed for, even though he knew he didn't do mm. that. Parallax is trying to play. Yes, Parallax was doing it to try. It was Parallax's attempt to try to appease Hal. And then Parallax got to the point where he basically said, well, I don't care anymore. You know, I don't need to appease you anymore. Yeah. Yeah. You could try to you could try to make it fit. But from a motivational. But again, what you're saying, I agree more with what you're saying. The idea that if it's behind the scenes, Hal not Hal not being consciously aware of it, the Jurgens thing, and I like Dan Jurgens a lot, and I like, uh, you know, along with Daryl, I think I like him drawing Parallax probably as well as anybody. But when I read that issue of Booster Gold and they threw that line in, almost like like they felt obliged to to try to acknowledge the retcon about who Par- what Parallax really was. That just really rubbed me the wrong way because that's not what Hal was about. You know, Hal was not a during Zero Hour himself. There was nothing Hal was doing consciously that was about fear. Yeah, that's not that had nothing to do with his had nothing to do with his motivation, and even anything to do with Alan <clears throat> with Alan Scott. I mean, when he finds Alan, that was because the Alan the reference to Alan Scott is interesting because when we, if we do, ever do Zero Hour that. The big clue, if you will, that Hal was the big bad, if you will, was when he finds Alan Scott's ring. That it, I think, who does Alan Scott? He gives it. Was it to Kyle? Does he give it to Kyle to carry into battle? Yeah, I thought he did. And then, it, and then it gets left behind. 
And then you see the hand pick it up. He makes a comment about basically, you know, this is, you know, a trinket for something that doesn't, you know, a, a long ago time or something that no longer exists or is no longer important. And then he just kind of puts it down and he, and he crushes it, which is the homage to him stepping on his own ring in Emerald Twilight. Right. So, but I, that's the only part that, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, Brian's email is great, and I agree with almost everything he has to say. But the but from the just the fear aspect alone, saying it's a perfect fit with the retcon, mm-hmm. I don't. I <clears throat> I don't necessarily. Um, you respectfully disagree. I respectfully disagree. <laughs> now, there was one other thing I could mention if we, if you want to. Well, we uh, just just to throw it out there, we did do an episode on uh, Zero Hour. If anybody's interested. Uh, a long time ago, uh, me, Jim, and Dan, and actually Adam Murdo from Comic Geek Speak, uh, episode 94, I believe. The only reason I remember that is because the Zero Hour event came out in 1994, I believe, and uh, it was episode 94 at the time. <laughs> now that you say that, I think I, act- I think I actually do kind of remember listening to part of that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I liked Zero Hour. I thought Zero Hour was a... It was kind of convoluted in one sense, as far as, and they didn't didn't accomplish what they like 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 all of these crises. They never really accomplished what they're supposed to. But the the how reveal was pretty awesome. Yeah. You don't you don't, you don't get that many kind of surprises and, and relevant. But what I was going to mention, which is not related to this, which was something when that Dwayne mentioned when we were recording for issue two hundred about why maybe. Because we kind of talked about why guy, well, why maybe we were kind of we were not really sure how they could explain away how all the other all the reds that guy defeated like uh, uh, Trostis when he no longer had the ring, like why why they weren't dead or things like that. And he, I think, and Dwayne he still might leave a he still might leave a voicemail about it. But he mentioned the idea that maybe when guy pulled all the rings into him. That maybe somehow he he basically changed the nature of the rings. Hmm. Something about changing that that since it wasn't drawn, it was not relying entirely on as much on blood magic anymore. That since he basically almost like what we saw in the and the future's end issues, how by pulling all the how Blaze was in control of the rings, and then he, Guy was able to destroy them, and Guy was basically pulled all the rings into himself briefly. That maybe he changed the way that the way they work, which is also maybe why he's able to just wear it around his neck and not have to have it on his finger. So maybe but. so maybe through Atrocitus they are more blood magic, through Guy they're more scientific. Yes. Yeah, more yeah, more, more traditional more land true Owen tech, yeah. yeah. So. Hmm. Not a bad idea. That's not a bad idea at all. <clears throat> well guys, we covered five issues and did three emails. So uh, no Twitter or Facebook this time around. Uh, we do have a, a kind of voicemail uh, to to play, but we'll get to that in episode 201 because I was on the road for work all day today and I have not had a chance to listen to that. So um, we are going to stop right here. Uh, next episode is episode number 200. So uh, strap yourselves in and prepare yourself for that. Uh, and then uh, when 201 rolls around, I have no idea what we're covering. We only, really only planned up to 200. <laughs> yeah, two, 200, 200 has been taking a lot of our time as far as prepping and trying to get all the pieces we need to, to be able to put it together. So mm-hmm. it's definitely it's definitely preoccupied us. And then even even 
fitting this issue, I mean, this episode in because we knew we had to cover so many issues mm-hmm. that this was kind of a little, that's why we wanted to do it as quickly as the, as soon as it ended, as soon as Futures and the issues all came out for Green Lantern. So we could do that. And then, so it's, yeah, it's been kind of a little hectic time from a recording point of view. So we'll, we have no idea. No idea what we're doing for 201 yet, but we'll figure something out. <laughs> we always do. That's right. Well, well, we'll talk to you guys later. Mark, do you want to go ahead and give them the, the, how to contact us? Sure. You can email us, lanterncast at gmail.com, lanterncast at gmail.com. You can visit our website, lanterncast.com. You can access our forums, check out our galleries, movie reviews, products of the week, uh, Ring Cyclopedia episodes. You can follow us on Twitter. You can like us on Facebook. Use hashtag GLCast to locate us on both. We are on iTunes and Stitcher. So make sure you listen to us on iTunes and Stitcher, people. Well, at least one of them. And if you like us on iTunes, please leave us a positive review. Last but not least, if you'd like to leave us a voicemail, call us at 708-LANTERN. 708-LANTERN. And let us know what you think. All right, guys. See you at 200. Good night, everybody. Good night.